Hey everyone and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work-from-anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And also brought to you by PolicyPack Software, now part of Nebrix, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And of course, also brought to you by Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. In a pretty big story this week, BleepyComputer.com reported on research by Sock Radar, who last month detected a misconfigured Azure blob storage server maintained by Microsoft, which it claims could be responsible for leaking information such as phone numbers, company names, email addresses, and more of up to 65,000 different entities from across 111 countries stored in files dated from 2017 to August 2022. SockRadar notified Microsoft who took corrective actions. Microsoft claimed there's no evidence of customer accounts or systems being compromised, and Microsoft added that it believes SOC Radar, quote, greatly exaggerated the scope of this issue and the numbers, end quote. Interestingly, some of the other data leaked was files linked to business between affected customers and Microsoft or an authorized Microsoft partner and also included email content. SOC Radar had made some of the data searchable via a search portal that they created that they were calling Blue Bleed, which Microsoft stated, quote, is not in the best interest of ensuring customer privacy or security and potentially exposing them to unnecessary risk, end quote. Kevin Beaumont tweeted that the exposed data includes, for example, emails from the US.gov talking about Office 365 projects and money, etc., and that he also found this not via SOC radar, but via web cache. Very interesting. So I've covered numerous stories of breaches involving Azure blob storage or AWS buckets left exposed on the internet, but I believe this is the first instance that I've covered where a major cloud provider such as Microsoft themselves have left data exposed via a misconfigured cloud storage instance. Microsoft have said that they've notified any affected customers. It'll be interesting to see if this develops further. It is now official. Windows Server 2022 has added support for Microsoft 365 apps. I reported previously that a Microsoft PM posted on a tech community thread about plans to bring support, and it looks like they're indeed following through. Of course, that was not really official. That was just a reply to a thread. So now, at least, this seems like it's something official. At this time, it appears the support is only in preview. Support for on-premises and Azure deployments will be available through October 2026, according to the announcement. This covers the period in which Windows Server 2022 is in mainstream support. Importantly, this does not change the lack of support on Server 2016 and Server 2019, 
So if you want support for 365 apps on server, it appears that server 2022 is your go-to. And if you want to begin testing on Windows Server 2022, Microsoft recommends that you use the most current supported version of Microsoft 365 apps available in the current channel and that they will provide information about which versions of 365 apps are supported on Windows Server 2022 at a later date. It was a pretty dramatic week at Citrix. Now, I won't comment on specifics, but you can read about layoffs online that took place this week. I would say those are rumored, but I have read on LinkedIn and Twitter posts from actual Citrites affected. So, you know, they're pretty much a direct source, not just rumors. I would like to pass along my well wishes to all of those affected by the layoffs, and I hope you find something else quickly. And what these layoffs mean in terms of products may mostly remain to be seen yet, but Citrix did publish an article this week, CTX465114, which seems to indicate end of life in 2025 for effectively all SD-WAN products. Now, that's to my untrained eye. It's a rather long list of SD-WAN products and versions, so I believe it is all of SD-WAN, which is going to be pretty disappointing to uh, some customers out there, and certainly disappointing just to the community in general because, you know, lack of competition is bad for customers. So that's too bad, but of course it pales in comparison to uh, what those Citrix employees who got laid off are going through. Really, my thoughts are more with them than customers affected by this announcement. Bleepacomputer.com have reported that Microsoft have issued an out-of-band patch to address an issue caused by the October 2022 Windows security updates that triggers SSL TLS handshake failures on client and server platforms. On affected devices, users will see an SEC underscore E underscore illegal underscore message error in applications when connections to servers experience these issues. The affected client Windows operating systems include Windows 11 version 22H2, Windows 11 version 21H2, Windows 10 version 21H2, Windows 10 version 21H1, Windows 10 version 20H2, Windows 10 Enterprise LTSC 2019, uh, LTSC 2016, uh, 2015 LTSB, and also Windows 8.1 and Windows 7 SP1. The server side affected is server 2022, server 2019, 2016, 2012 R2, 2012, and 2008 R2 SP1. As always, without a band patches, this is available via the Microsoft Update Catalog. And as multiple versions of Windows are affected, I'm not going to call out all the KBs because there are multiple KBs for these. I'll just share a link instead, and you'll be able to find that link at 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for this episode, which is episode 252. And you can also find that in the description on the podcast platform of choice that you're playing this episode on. In further bad news for Microsoft this week, Ars Technica reported that Windows was not properly downloading and applying updates to the driver block list over the last three years, leaving users vulnerable to new, bring-your-own-vulnerable-driver attacks, which is when an attacker can take advantage of vulnerabilities in legitimate drivers to launch their attack. A statement from Microsoft on this reads, quote, 
The vulnerable driver list is regularly updated. However, we received feedback that there has been a gap in synchronization across OS versions. We've corrected this and it will be serviced in upcoming and future Windows updates. The documentation page will be updated as new updates are released." End quote. Ars Technica suggests, other than the statement, Microsoft employees have been dismissive to questions and no one from Microsoft has confirmed how long the gap lasted or what upcoming and future Windows updates would fully fix the problem. Now, the actual report by Ars Technica suggests that it's been going on or not updating for three years. So I guess it remains to be seen if Microsoft will confirm that or not. The article also highlights past instances when some Microsoft representatives made claims about enhanced security through the BYOVD protection and even suggested that a third-party solution is not needed by customers as Windows has everything you need to block them. So for this story, I'm reporting the Ars Technical Report, but I would add that obviously mistakes happen and it could happen to any vendor, but this is a pretty big mess up. It'll be interesting to see if Microsoft do confirm that this was not updating over the last three years on at least certain OSs. And it does raise questions if that's the case about validation and monitoring by Microsoft. In some happier Microsoft news, the October 2022 version of Microsoft Power Automate has been released and it features the ability to bulk delete flows and you can also bulk and create desktop shortcuts for your flows if you're using the premium version. There's also support for UI automation for desktop apps in a Citrix or Microsoft Remote Desktop Protocol Virtual Desktop with the use of a lightweight agent called the Power Automate Agent for Virtual Desktops, which is now generally available for all users. So that's awesome. Uh, one of the criticisms I would have had for Power Automate in the past was how it handles just kind of general uh, Windows UI automation and um, you know the basics of robotic process automation. It's pretty strong within the browser and doing like web automation stuff, but not so great once you get out of the browser, but it has been improving and this is a welcome development. Several of us experienced Microsoft MFA issues on Thursday, with Microsoft acknowledging that they were indeed investigating a problem Europe-wide. While it seemed to go on for over an hour, the status history does not contain any information about the problem or what the root cause was, at least at the time of this recording. It is completely blank, so I'm not sure if that's just like a glitch and they're going to update it later or not, or maybe that it was sporadic and they just uh, swept it under the rug because they couldn't find an issue and it resolved itself. I'm not entirely sure, just speculating on that one. But it wasn't just me who experienced it. I saw that Joe Carlisle had reported it on Twitter as well. So maybe one of those mysteries. I believe it was actually alluded to earlier this year, but Amazon Web Services has unveiled more details this week on its plan to invest $5 billion in Thailand, where it says it will set up a new cloud region. The 15-year investment roadmap will include providing support for the country's early-stage startups and upskilling efforts. ZDNet reports that the new cloud region in the capital city of Bangkok will comprise three availability zones, and mark its first such facility in Thailand. AWS did not offer a timeline on when the Bangkok region would be operational, and it currently has 10 CloudFront edge points in the Thai city, 
which are part of its global content delivery network. AWS added that it would work with the Ministry of Digital Economy and Society of Thailand to develop a skills development plan which would include providing on-demand digital courses and support to train more than 1,200 employees with cloud skills. It would also encompass training events for government employees to develop relevant skills for implementing cloud technologies. Microsoft have shared an upcoming feature that will present a new way to engage and notify users via Intune, which they say will be in public preview in November. Administrators will be able to apply taskbar messages, notification area messages, and even customer get started app messages too. It said that administrators will be able to choose a message from a set of templated messages for the taskbar notifications area messages, and choose two templated messages for the get started app. Customers will also be able to add branding to messages by uploading their own logo. They'll be able to specify custom destination URLs for each organizational message, and users will automatically be redirected when they select the message. Uh, they'll be able to preview messages in 15 supported languages and in dark and light theme modes. Uh, they'll be able to schedule a time window and frequency for delivery of the messages. They'll be able to assign messages via Azure Active Directory user groups. They'll be able to track status of the organizational messages you've created, as well as a user engagement. So like the number of times a message was viewed or selected. Uh, be able to cancel scheduled or active organizational messages and configure a new Intune built-in role for organizational message manager, which allows assigned admins to view and configure messages only. So this is something that's I think been a long time coming and it's pretty cool to see that it's almost here. There were several reported warnings about a potential log for shell situation this week with a widely used Apache Commons text feature that supports functions that allows code execution in potentially user supplied text strings being flagged as vulnerable with CBE-2022-42889. And this comes with a 9.8 severity rating as it could be used for code ejection and potentially run all kinds of damaging actions on your systems. The vulnerability affects those using version 1.5 to 1.9, which were released between 2018 and 2022. Some good news is that a fixed version was released several weeks ago, so it's already readily available to be patched. Kevin Beaumont shared a way to test to see if you are affected by this. So this was still a developing story as I recorded this week's episode. It'll be interesting to see a vendor start to notify customers to updates to address this if it is a widely used feature. You could expect that multiple vendors actually integrate it within their products and likely will need to deploy a fixed version of their product. And just some quick hit stories to wrap up the news for this week. Internet services were affected in multiple regions as not one but two underwater cables were severed this week. The cables were located south of France and north of Scotland. LeapyComputer.com reports the obvious that the chances of two cables being severed around the same time seems pretty slim and it's possible that this was an act of sabotage and that is being investigated currently. Vendors like Zscaler have attempted to mitigate the effects by rerouting traffic but some performance issues may remain. Windows 10 version 22H2 is now available. 
LeapyComputer.com reports that this version is not a massive release and it only comes with a scoped set of features including the option to receive important notifications when focus assist is on, focus assist is like a do not disturb mode that hides notifications, and also the ability to restore functionality for Windows Autopilot deployment scenarios that are affected by the security mitigations for hardware reuse. So not a whole lot in there, but it's a good idea to update to this version anyway. But of course, as always, test, test, test. I completely missed this one before, but Windows Terminal is now the default command line experience on Windows 11 22H2. This means that all command line applications will now automatically open in Windows Terminal. Ars Technica carried a report this week from Equifax who are said to have used surveillance software on 1,000 remote workers and ended up firing 24 of them because they were found to be juggling two jobs. This is not the first time I've reported on this kind of story. An interesting tidbit of information in the report is that some workers were suspected of calling into interviews with Equifax from their other job sites and Equifax began noting any employee clocking abnormally low VPN usage below 13 hours weekly as a red flag and would warrant further investigation. And now a weekly webinar. Throughout the upcoming week, Microsoft will be holding a technical takeoff event that runs over several hours each day, starting in the US time zone but available on demand for everyone else. They'll be covering Intune topics as well as Windows 365 and more. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, for sure check out the website so you can get the on-demand content if you can't be there live and also just register to save it into your calendar if you'd like to attend it live. And I'll share a link to that as I do everything on each episode of the podcast over at fivebytespodcast.com. And now this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. Only featuring one community tip this week because last week's episode was so long, I wanna try and keep this one a bit shorter. But the great Oliver Kesselbach had another great blog post this week on Intune. This one is on having certain applications which are, char which are targeted to all devices installed only after the enrollment process has completed. He uses, an, he uses an example of his own BitLocker pin solution, prompting the user to require, which prompts the user as it requires interaction. And having that prompt appear only after the enrollment is made possible by using a Win32 app requirement script. So to dive into that and get an example of this, because I'm sure there's multiple different use cases for this type of thing, check out this great blog post. Nice work, Oliver, and thanks for sharing. But that's it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. 